This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cammie here. Got an awesome opportunity for you to buy tickets to my book tour, CameronEsposito.com slash tour. I will be in Los Angeles. I will be in Brooklyn. I will be in Boston. I will be in Philadelphia. I'll be in Washington, D.C. I'll be in Chicago, San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle. I did that from memory. Fuck. Today on the podcast, we've got... Teresa Lee, she's a stand-up comic and also has a great short film out that was that debuted at a bunch of festivals last year and now you can just watch on YouTube. In fact, Jordan is going to put it in the show notes for this episode. I don't know how to do that, but Jordan does. And I will tweet it below this. I know how to do that. Bye. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still I always have guests introduce themselves. Will you introduce okay. yourself? Yeah. Hey, I'm Teresa Lee. Uh, I'm a stand-up comedian. Um, I made a short film called I Think She Likes You that uh, is about a bisexual couple that takes home a guy, and it's not about um, him in the sex part. It's about him in the relationship, and that's sort of what started it. But it's funny, and they're a little crazy, and they are me. So, <laughs> And you've got in the... The film is? Um, it was at Tribeca and then Outfest, and we kind of did a little run of festivals um, last year. Like, we went to Frameline and a bunch of other ones, and then we just put it up online. So it's now publicly available on YouTube.com. And you <laughs> sent it to me because we just know each other through the stand-up world, and mm-hmm. um, it's great. I think it's really oh, good. You. Yeah, I was so excited to watch it, and... And then I was like, oh, you should just come on and, and talk because I really I really loved it. Thank you. Yeah, I, that was so nice to hear because, I mean, I really admire you. I know, like, yeah. obviously we worked together before, but, yeah. you know, I've, I've been a fan of your work. And um, it was really cool that I, I think uh, I did put your hands together a while ago when I first came to L.A. And yeah. you were very, very nice and just have always been really supportive. So Oh, wow, so well, that's good to hear. Really good. <laughs> so I'm not the I'm not the cutthroat bitch that I sometimes <laughs> would imagine in my worst dreams. Um, well, a little, a little bit of cutthroat is good for the industry, you know? But that's right. I think, yeah, I, I really, um, really, it made me feel nice when you yeah when you it. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, I always... Um, I really am always, and I mean, maybe maybe for you too, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm always trying to, yeah, like you sending me a link. Like I'm definitely always going to watch that. I'm so curious <laughs> about like what's happening for other folks, especially if it's um, queer folks making folks, folks making stuff with queer themes. And um, what I liked about this short film is also that, yeah, there's like, well, this is, this was my, my reading on it <laughs> is that. You know, I think um, so much lip service is currently being paid to, like, a more non-traditional relationship setup. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think that, say, 10 years ago, that was, like, like non-monogamy was so out there. Like, yeah. I, I really feel like as a topic, it was really, like, some people were certainly practicing non-monogamy, but it was, like, it was not sort of— um, now I feel like it's almost a, a de facto expectation for people that are dating. Uh-huh. And what I 
think that we haven't totally caught up with is like how it can be complicated sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like that, that, that these are real people with real emotions. And also if somebody's um, identity is that they are poly or that they want to be non-monogamous, rad. Uh-huh. But I, but but I think we talk about it like it's easy. Yeah, like it's a um, like a easy solution, and it solves Exa- all your problems. Exa- exactly. You're still you. It's like it's right. like when people say like when you go on vacation, you're still you. You know, you, yeah. it doesn't make you happier if you're an unhappy person. Um, That's right. I kind of say like with these characters um, that they're two people who love each other but don't love themselves because that's kind of how I see it. Like they, you know, I mean, sort of a not a real spoiler, but they kind of get in a big fight. Um, but it's like a real fight that a relationship. I mean, it's really exaggerated for the short, but to be honest, to me, it's not exaggerated. Oh, I didn't feel like it. I was in like, a fight like that. Yeah, you know? I was literally like, <laughs> I can't believe this documentary. <laughs> that's how I felt. But yeah. I, depending on, like, we've shown it to men, you know, straight men, and they enjoy it because it is funny, but their reaction is so different. They'll be like, oh, that's so crazy. Wow, what, what Wait, crazy really? characters. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't ever, <laughs> I'm trying to think of, when is the last time I showed something to a straight man and then asked his reaction i just i guess I, well i mean we've like screened it in yeah, front right. of mixed audiences yes and so it's been really interesting and i i've enjoyed the variety of reactions because it's really enlightening i feel like it's so i come from you know my own experience um but ultimately we kind of bring pe- people together through comedy right because i think you know we we go to queer festivals but we also go to you know try because we were in the comedy block so then the reactions have been more like, wow, this is so out there. Because they're not used to seeing this. Oh, really? So, At Tribeca, yeah. that was the reaction? Folks were like, this is... Yeah, in the block, uh, it was all comedies. And uh-huh. I mean, we were the only like you know queer um, story there, and which I love because comedy brings people to your story. I think a lot of those audiences wouldn't have found it. They wouldn't have been at Outfest or Frame right. But they saw a different version. Like a lot of people um, get into the story through Josh. Uh, Josh Vaden plays the guy and he's really wonderful. And they sort of identify with him, which we did. We put him there for that reason. Wow. <laughs> wow. And Christine yeah. Madrano is uh, my co-writer and co-star and she's wonderful too. So it's, it's, it's really cool to see who people identify with. I think the two main characters, like I obviously feel most like my character, um, Julia and a lot of people think she's like wrong. So it's been interesting to see that reaction too. <laughs> That's really interesting. That is really interesting. The And you were saying that you're like bringing your experience to it. And so can I ask like how where where do you fall in this? Sure. Um, in the spectrum of human beings identity-wise. Yeah, it's that's a good question because it has um, changed since I made this short. Um, so I identify as bisexual for a long time. Um, and then I sort of moved into saying I was queer because I'm also, I think bisexual is too binary. But then, and I was monogamous in my mind. I mean, I was also single for a long time, so I don't know <laughs> what really that is. Right. Um, but then I um, made this short. I had never like been in an open relationship. I had wanted to try it, um, but never fully did it. And then after this short, I was... I got out of a breakup and um, then I like dated a couple. So now I would say I'm, I uh, am open. Like, I don't know. I think I'm case by case. It would depend on the person I'm with. I'm not quite there where I'm like poly all the time. Sure. But I'm very open to a non-monogamous relationship. And I, and you dating a couple. So this was after, this is after you wrote the, this (laughs) happened after. I know, it's like art, like. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know that this was something that you 
might be interested in or did you just meet the folks and those and that's who you were interested in? Um, that's a good question. To be honest, people think of this as a threesome short, but we actually wanted to show the relationship of the two women, but we wanted to be clear that they were bisexual mm-hmm. and to show that they have like these real relationship issues um, that everybody else does. Obviously, we all know that. Queer audiences know that, but a lot of straight audiences think of threesomes the way Hollywood makes them out to be, which is like overly objectified women. So right. we just really wanted to be like, here's two women who like sex and they're sexual, but they have these like emotions. Surprise. <laughs> yeah. So that's where that came from. But then, yeah, indirectly we got into this idea of like the threesome. And then I think making it and getting into the character's head, I realized I have my own, I had my own hangups that I don't think were really rooted in reality. They were rooted in stereotypes. Like of not wanting to feel like, you know, like the world being like, oh, that's like a slutty thing, which is not how I feel, but I think it was internalized in some way. Yeah. When you were, can I ask you a couple questions about this relationship with this couple? Mm -hmm. When you were dating them, was that something that you were like, did they know your friends? Did you know their friends? Was it Mm -hmm. a public part of your life? Um, My friends did know, but that's because I'm a comedian and I talk about things on stage. Um, Yes. I I like knew (laughs) this like sort of vaguely from stage stuff, but I, Uh but like as a human. Sure. Um, They wanted, so I'll, I'll say this. So I had gotten out of, uh, actually I was out of a bad relationship that um, parts of it made it into the short, but like, I mean, I'll say that this short was kind of rooted in a lot of real things, but it wasn't just one relationship, but all the bad elements ended up actually turning into a bad thing. So I got out of that. And then I really just wanted to date like someone who respected me, but I didn't want to start over. So if my friend Eli Olsberg, who's a comedian, recommended this app field, which is for threesomes. Um, and I just thought I would try to date a couple that loved each other, which sounds so unsexy and so lame, I think, because people think of threesomes wait, as this, Wait, like, <laughs> what? I don't think that sounds unsexy, but you can keep going. You well, can keep going. I think people think, like, when I, especially when I tell my male friends, I know I said, like, I need to stop asking advice from male friends. But um, my male friends will think, they think threesomes are, like, this, like, sexy thing because they watch a lot of porn. And I'm like, oh, I could date a couple who is, like, stable and respects each other and, like, loves each other and has so much love that they want to share it. So that's how I approached it. But I think a lot of times people think of these apps as like this like anonymous um, sort of like quick, like, you know, whatever. And that's fine too. That's that's the thing that exists and that's okay. But I went into it sort of completely 180, just like I want a couple who respects each other and respects me. So they took me out on dates and it was very much like I made it clear that's what I wanted. So that's what I got. <laughs> yeah. And so you, you went on... You all like went out to dinner together. Yeah, or we'd go out to dinner. Um, we'd have these nice conversations. We'd watch movies. Um, they did. I'll say they wanted me to be more in their lives than I, like they did want to introduce me to my fr- their friends, and I pulled back a little because I was sort of like out of relationship, and I really just didn't want to. I didn't want to be too serious, but I wanted it to be meaningful. If that makes sense, like I, I didn't want a casual. Um, disrespectful situation, but I didn't want to like go to a wedding with them. So that's, I was, were you invited to a wedding with them? No, no, I wasn't. (laughs) But in my mind, I was like, I just don't want this to be so serious. So I kind of, I pulled away in terms of, they would like be like, oh, we're hanging out with friends, come meet us, or we're going to this party. And I tended to just want to be on dates. I hear what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the podcast (laughs) or like anywhere, but years ago, like when I was, Years ago, maybe 10 years ago, mm-hmm. I was in a 
stable relationship with uh, my then girlfriend and we met someone that we liked. Okay. And I had never had that experience before. Like we met uh, another woman that we thought was awesome. And so we, we as a group. <laughs> Did you mutually like both were like, oh my God, we both feel. Yeah. Like- we were like, yes. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We, um, she was like a super talented, um, you know, I lived in Chicago at the time and I was just starting as a comic and mm-hmm. um there's like this vibe like in LA everything's the goal is to sort of professionalize like as soon as possible you know uh-huh. like I think people start here and they open mic but they like really are like trying to get that first like PA job or like they're trying uh-huh. to get into um the entertainment industry as quickly as possible but in Chicago it's like there isn't really an industry to join uh-huh. art is like art for art's sake. And so everybody's kind of, everybody's very interesting, mm-hmm. underpaid for doing art <laughs> stuff and all sorts of interdisciplinary artists know each other. At least that was my experience. Oh, cool. So like I was a stand-up comic and my ex was a modern dancer. And then we met like a painter, like a fine Whoa. artist and everybody was just sort of at um, similar places in their career where like we were all really interested in this next thing that we were working on. We were like young and it's all very exciting and nobody has any money and nobody has any stability except for my ex and I had been together for a while and lived together. Um, So yeah, it was like this very, we met this woman and we liked her and we also liked her work, which is why I say all of it. Cause it was like this really cool um, thing. And we asked her out and we went on a couple dates with her and, and then eventually she ended up not wanting to, I think that she, I think it was just like too much. Uh-huh. None of us had done this before. Sure. And, um, but I had one of the, this is one of the, like the weirdest and funniest experiences <laughs> of my life is that like as a couple, my ex and I got broken up with. Oh my with. gosh. And so like that feeling of like losing someone uh-huh. and like that feeling of rejection and like, wait, am I not good enough? Like I shared that with somebody, which I have, n- I had not. cream in the corner, yeah. <laughs> separate corners of the room. I was like, <laughs> like I literally, there was like a moment where actually I did, I did talk about this on, I did used to talk about this on stage that like, there was a moment where we turned to each other and I swear to God said something like, like, we're going to be alone forever. Oh my like God. something like, <laughs> That's so funny. (laughs) Was it easier to go through a breakup with someone or were you so like as one that it just felt like you were so alone? No, I think it was easier to go through Uh it with somebody. I had to remind myself that like I still really loved my girlfriend and I think Uh probably she had to do uh, the same. Um, But it was... It was was a really interesting experience. Yeah. Well, I think that's... I mean... At the end of the day, yeah, we're just so human. I mean, that I didn't really like think I would get so into that with this short, but really it is about that. It's like you just have these very basic emotions, whatever your gender or sexuality or, you know, background, it's you're going to go through these emotions, you know, just with different labels. Um, I just remembered I did invite the couple to my birthday and they did come. So they met a lot of my friends and they brought some friends too. Um, so that that was a thing. And it didn't feel weird, but I think at that point, a lot of my friends knew I was dating them. Yeah. I mean, I guess I also ask about knowing everybody because, well, right. So I think there's, there's sort of say two- she's like very hot and uh, not to say he's not, but she was like, it was very obvious whose idea it was to be open. Like she was just like too hot to be monogamous. 
So, <laughs> like, it was very, very obvious, everybody that met them. And, like, he's wonderful and nice and very confident. So, <laughs> I hope that. <laughs> I don't think they're listening, but I hope if that they do, is, they don't take this the wrong way. That's very funny. I think we all agreed that she was extremely hot <laughs> and much too hot for us. So it was that situation where people met them and were like, oh, because I think a lot of people have questions where they're like, what do you, what is it, how do you go on dates? Like, mm-hmm. is there jealousy? I'm like, no, because she's like this babe and it's like, and very sweet and kind and they've done this a lot. So it wasn't this, like they knew what they were doing and <laughs> it was just very, very clear from the beginning. Like, oh, okay. So she's like this very beautiful woman who knows what she wants sure. and very much in control and we're all like here for it. <laughs> That's so, that is so funny. Well, I, I also think that, you know, the reason I'm asking some follow-up questions is because like you're anyone who's, especially if like new to this, uh-huh. is like dealing with um, kind of a couple different things, which is one is I think, again, this is sort of what I was talking about at the beginning, like I think an expectation in the queer world Mm -hmm. that this is like easily done Mm -hmm. and sort of like normative. It's almost, it's almost like, wait, you're not, you're, you're in a closed relationship. Like, I don't get, why would you, yeah, like I just, you know, I feel like it's very, um, not that that means a high percentage of people are, are doing this, but Mm -hmm. I just think it's like, my perception is that queer folks are anticipating this. Or at least open to it. Yeah. It, the stigma is not as uh, strong. But then there's the rest of the world where, like you were talking about earlier, I guess, with the difference between, you know, Frameline or Tribeca, then there's the rest uh, of the world where this would would be, like, I don't even know that people would understand yeah. how to read what's going on. Or that your friends, if, th- if they're showing up and they're meeting some of your friends, mm-hmm. that there might be like a, that it's like more sensationalized than if you were just seeing uh, one person and they came to your birthday party. People might be like stoked to meet that person, but they wouldn't necessarily be like, <laughs> ah, you know, they're like, uh, what eyes, <laughs> whose eyes do I so look So did at? you experience that? Did you experience that? Like your friends um, were, how did other people in your life I, feel yeah, about this? You know, I, you know, I didn't tell my parents, so I haven't had any like authoritative judgment. Um, but I, most of my friends are very um, like understanding, but I think, most of my friends like already know who I am. And, um, but I do think, yeah, the people, there were friends who like asked questions. So I could tell they were trying to, they were probably curious and not judgmental, but like it was new to them. Yeah. And, um, I have, I mean, you've heard this joke, but I, I did talk about like the sex part. Cause I think it is, it is truly sensationalized in Hollywood where it feels like it's supposed to be for the man, but it really like, I mean, <laughs> there's two women involved and they're both queer. Like it's more about the woman. The man enjoys it usually, but uh, it's, it's really like totally I don't different. think anybody <laughs> has ever said that into a microphone before. I mean, I'm not I, like, okay, yes. But I, I think that's the thing that people at first are like asking the question, like, oh, do you feel like weird? Because it's like this thing where it feels objectified. I'm like, no, if you really think about what this is, these two women with agency and a man that respects them, it's like, we're, I mean, honestly, he's tapped out much earlier and then we're just, it's just pretty much just us, you know? So that's right. the reality of it. But people don't think about that. If, and if you're not a queer woman, you probably wouldn't have that experience. So you're just imagining what you've seen on TV. So once like I talk about that part, I think people are like, oh, okay, now I get it. I get why you like this, that this seems fun. Yeah. I mean, also, right. I mean, the a big part of that thing that you're talking about is sort of a presumption that women don't have 
um, like fantasies mm-hmm. also, or that women don't have um, like an ideal sexual situation. Uh-huh. I really think that we are, <laughs> I don't know. I think about how people still um, talk about like a, like women relating to porn uh-huh. as like, the written word or like, or like, yeah, like, like they're, they're, yeah. And they like a slow story. And you're like, I don't think that's, I think statistically <laughs> that's not what most people are. What like they're, yeah, I've tried. I mean, people have, I've friends who've raved about, um, literatica and I gave it a good shot. The hard part is you have to really like read it to know if you're going to like it. So you have to like right. read summaries. And then I tried to read one that was like, maybe this will be good. And there was a whole paragraph about like how this woman made her own shirt. And like, that's fine, but that's not what, I, <laughs> what I'm looking for. <laughs> it was just like she had learned to sew from her grandma and the buttons. Were, and I was like, okay, like I get it. There's buttons on the shirt. Like, <laughs> Well, I mean like that, I guess that has its place. You know, like I sometimes I like yeah, to yeah. read a sexy book or whatever, sure. but I just mean like, I but think when I'm most like, I'm people are go. watching porn. Like <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. mean like, I think the, that yes. porn all falls in the category of porn. <laughs> like, it, Yeah, when I've got 15 minutes yeah. and I got to leave the house, I have a spot. I'm yeah. like, do I want to read about buttons right. or do I want to? Right. Yeah, but it it's a well. So okay, Um, (laughs) but but yeah. To answer your question, people were very um, accepting, and if they were judgmental, they didn't really tell me. But I think I tried to like give the full picture right away, so mm -hmm. it it kind of illuminated. I think some of the questions they had, and then how? So you're how are you feeling in this new? I know you were saying at the beginning that this is you're like in a place of shifting identities in the Mm -hmm. last. How how are you feeling with? With like, do you think you would want to date a couple again? Was that a positive experience for you? Like, how how are you feeling with your mm. new self knowledge? I um I tried to date a. I was so lucky with this couple because th- that was the first date I went on from the app, and they were so great. So I tried to date another couple and went on a date with them, and it was it was fine. It just we didn't click, and then so I was like, I think just gonna stick to this but um I I don't think I'm forever gonna date couples but I had a good experience so it's not off the table in the future but I'm back to dating people one-on-one um so now uh, yeah so we kind of ended things like we're friendly but that sort of ended and now I'm just dating people one-on-one but I do think if I get in a relationship I would explore being open um I've brought it up in past relationships before but it was with a man and it was because I felt like i that's the thing with being bi is sometimes you really feel like you lose your identity in a relationship. So I did kind of feel that way. And I brought it up because he seemed like a guy who liked to date around. So I thought it would work out, but he kind of took it not well. So then I just backed off. Mm. So I think for me, I'm open to it, but I would. it just depends on my partner. I think if I'm with someone I really want to be with, I want to make sure that they're comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. How, when When did you first realize that you were bi? Um, I, okay. So I feel like I came out to myself later than I really knew. Like I, I look back on my journals and I'm like, oh, I'm like crushing on girls at school, but I had crushes on boys. So I just didn't make sense. So I just kind of pushed it away. But I started questioning officially in college. I would say like sophomore year was when I first started like, like going to forums and like asking those questions be like, Do, am I gay? But then I would get a crush on a guy and then just drop it and then come back to it after. So it wasn't till um, my senior year, I like kind of like would hook up with girls here. Not like, like I was also a virgin. So that also changes things. I just didn't have any sex. So it just took me longer to figure out what I liked. Um, So I was like hooking up, but like making out, not like doing anything. Um, 
And then I had a boyfriend. So then I was like, I guess I'm straight. I guess it was just because I hadn't had sex. And then after that ended, I <laughs> started like liking girls again. And then it was just this thing that kept coming back. And I didn't fully come out till I was doing stand-up. I just talked about it on stage and almost, I feel like in stand-up, I don't know if you have this experience, but in stand-up you push the joke to like the limit. So I feel like I didn't really know I was gay, but I was liking girls. Mm. So on stage I'd make jokes about being gay because I liked girls, which is the natural conclusion. But in my mind, I was like, well, I'm not gay. I just <laughs> like girls. <laughs> it makes no sense. I had a joke where I was like, I think it makes sense, if you actually. like vegetables, you're not a vegetarian, which is a very dumb thing to say. But I, because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't understand like truly what being bisexual was because I didn't know any bisexual people. Sure. So I thought I'm either on my way to being gay or I'm straight. Right. And every time I got really invested in a man, I thought, well, this doesn't make sense. I must just be straight. And I just have whimsies, you know. Um, but then, yeah, well, I started dating girls and then, you know, eventually it was like not going away. And then I was like, I, bisexual is an identity. I'll just, I'm bisexual. So then I accepted it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that actually makes a, a lot of sense to me. I feel like for people with, um, I don't, I, I have no idea what it is like to do stand up as a, as somebody who has like a overrepresented identity. I think mm -hmm. anybody from a marginalized group that's doing stand up. I think a lot of it is about like getting on stage and sort of like testing mm -hmm. theories or like testing boundaries or testing saying something. It, like for me, my experience uh -huh. was that a group setting was a lot safer than like when I started coming out to people one-on-one, uh -huh. -on -one, I came from a super religious background. People took it like terribly. Uh-huh. But when I was when I could like dilute yeah. the the force of the message a little bit by like instead of giving it to one person, giving it to like two hundred people, mm -hmm. I just found that like there it was a safer experience for me because like they had to all the audience had to sort of all agree on a consensus yeah, as opposed to like one person together. flipping out, yeah. you know. And so I I really think about like when I came to stand up my early years. That, like, I was kind of saving my life, you know, mm -hmm. by being like, okay, nobody's cool with this I that I know, but I know somewhere people are cool with yeah. this. So if I, like, just, if I increase the <laughs> the test pool or whatever, like, my averages changed. Yeah. And I think that that's my, you know, I've watched so many people do stand-up, and I think that that's true for a lot of people from, like, a marginalized, like, any marginalized um that have any marginalized identity. You know, like I've, when I used to have Put Your Hands Together, it's like that's a mostly white audience. Mm -hmm. The number of times, it just, that theater just attracts a mostly white audience. Improv attracts white uh, people? Yes, exactly. <laughs> no. Anytime there was a person of color on stage, like I just felt like I was watching most most times when it was a person of color on stage, there would be a, a point in the set where it was acknowledged that mm -hmm. the audience was mostly white and then this person <laughs> was still talking about their identity and it just felt like a, it felt like something I could really relate to, you know, because I feel like most audiences are straight, mm -hmm. predominantly straight. Um, not my audiences <laughs> anymore, but the audiences that I started with. And I don't know, it just felt like people being like, here's here's who I here's who I think I am. Here's what I think the world is like for me. Yeah. Can you like can you hand like deal You're with like this? Kind of bouncing. Can You're you kind deal of with this? Painting the rest of the picture. It's almost I mean, yeah, I, I, that 
that rings really true because there's things that you think are normal. There's no such thing as normal, but in terms terms of like what the world thinks is funny, right? Because that's what comedy is. And you find, oh, they think that's funny. And that was a thing that I thought was everybody's experience. (laughs) So then you start playing with the punchlines and being like, oh, okay. Like, you know, talking about identity, like there are certain things growing up Asian American that didn't feel funny to me. But now I'm like, oh, people are interested in that because that wasn't their experience. So you can have fun with it while also realizing who you are because you've learn what makes you different and unique and and then you feel better about it if people are laughing and enjoying it versus right. the opposite you know of racism where people are just pointing at it and you know so I think it makes it more empowering um yeah and I think it's also it's like a safe way to back into some strong statements where mm-hmm. like <laughs> you saying to your friends like I think I have feelings for women like might might be more Intense. Yeah, I used to that vegetable joke. <laughs> that I, vegetable <laughs> joke is like it's it's just like a yeah way to test it out. I used to. Um, it's so ridiculous because when I look back, I was so obviously closeted, but it just wasn't as much of a thing because I also was so boy crazy. Like it's I was like a <laughs> boy crazy closeted. <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like it, I would. Uh, I used to drink a lot, and I don't really drink now. But I would get drunk and like make out with bartenders or like hit on them, like the female ones. And I just would tell my friends, like, I'm really like, I, whenever I get drunk, I'm just really good at flirting with girls. Like it's just things like that where they'd be like, okay, whatever. And I'm like, it's just a thing I do when I'm drunk. It's fun. So it's like, in hindsight, I'm like, you're so, so gay, Teresa. Like, why are you doing this? But I, it didn't click. And I think the first time it truly clicked for myself was when I got jealous of like a girl I actually liked. Because like crushes are crushes and a fantasy. But then I had this, I've told her this story and we're still friends, but this girl in college who was also bi, but we were both closeted. So she was straight at the time. And we'd have these like non-dates where we just like hang out and like drink wine and like make brownies and like sit on the bed. And it was just like a lot of tension. But we were both straight and we talk about boys. So it was like, it, both of us, I think we're testing the waters. Um, but both of us, didn't know who we were. And it wasn't until like, uh, like my birthday, I think I was like 22. She came to my birthday. This was after I graduated. So we hadn't talked for a while and she brought a girl and then they, and then she, so then I realized she was gay or bi and I was like, okay, I don't know if they're dating, but they're like together. But then we made out and I was like, oh my God, yes. And then she made out with everyone. <laughs> and then I was like, no. <laughs> and then the next day I woke up and I felt like mad. Like I was mad at her. And that's when I was like, I feel like this is more than just like a fantasy. Cause if you're oh, like, wow. cause I was mad at her cause I felt jealous that like, I felt betrayed that I had this moment. And then that she was like, just making out with everyone. And that's when I was like, okay, this is not just like a, like a, you know, hot girl that you think is like sexy. This is like a girl that you like had feelings for. <laughs> and I've told her the story since and we're friends and it's fine now. And so it's not like- Wait, when she was making out with everyone. She like made out with other girls and it was what, like- <laughs> What was everyone else at the event? Was it, was everyone watching the progression or were you just like super aware of what she was I was just to? aware. I mean, that's an exaggeration. It wasn't everyone, but there were, she made out with a couple other girls and it was the thing where I felt, I definitely felt like, very jealous and I didn't know what that was because yeah. I didn't know that I was gay but the next morning when I was sober and still angry at her uh that's when I was like something's going on here yeah fair <laughs> 
back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! You use you use the word gay and bi and queer like sort of interchangeably. I'm is that Yeah, true? I don't know. Is that I I'm actually I'm I'm this is a thing where I'm, maybe I don't I don't know. Yeah, I say queer now more cuz I feel like it encompasses a lot. And sometimes I feel like my brain switches to gay when I'm trying to signify I'm talking about a woman. And I actually don't I mean correct me if I'm wrong. I really don't know. Sometimes I do get confused about what words to use. Um yeah, I oh, don't know. I, I think you get to <laughs> I think you get to decide. I mean yeah. that's that's my sort of uh-huh. thought anyway. I'm just a human. Um but I but I don't think we have <laughs> decided on um hard and fast rules and so I feel like everybody's kind of making it up for themselves you know I mean that's what it seems like to me Mm -hmm. and so that's why I'm asking not because I was like trying to catch you out but just asking about what feels comfortable to you good question I think talking about switch or like um transition identities because I did say bye for a while and then I kind of switched to queer because I felt it didn't include non-binary um I was saying queer but then sometimes like when I'm talking about just I think in my mind when I'm contrasting it to being straight I say gay I don't know. I would have to like replay the tape that and listen. That is interesting. But what I was talking about, like, oh, now, now I realize I'm gay. I think in my mind I'm realizing I'm not straight. But I don't know, actually. I'm cu- I don't know. I, I think queer to me, if you were asking me and I was really thinking about it, is the word I would use. But you're right. I, I do say bi sometimes and I do say gay. I don't think I would say, like on stage, I think if I said I'm gay, I feel like that's misleading. So I don't really say that. I do feel like sometimes that almost would feel baiting like mm-hmm. a gay audience because I feel like that means lesbian. But I don't know because bisexual is such a identity that gets erased a lot. So sometimes I don't know what to say. Yeah, I mean, it is, you're right also that it is um, complicated because bisexual does have <laughs> a binary to it. And um, I guess queer is, like you're saying, the most encompassing word, but then in conversation... Does that mean that you have to like hit queer every time? Like I just, it's very, it's, it's, um, I think it changes. The real, uh, the, I feel like the real weird part is that I didn't say straight, but if we were all treating this equal, I'd be both gay and straight, right? Because it's bisexual is both gay and straight. I don't know. So. I don't know. Is that what, is that what being bisexual is? I don't know. (laughs) I, but I guess it just implies that there is still sort of this like looming, like quote unquote norm, which like that we're comparing ourselves to, which is the the hetero norm. Yeah. Cause I'm trying to show that I'm not. I feel like I want to ask you a question that's kind of related to this. Um, And maybe this is not something you have experienced. I have no idea. Uh So, um, you know, in stand-up, 
my experience is that just being a woman mm-hmm. on stage, um, this happens less to me now, but um, when I was younger and I had like long hair, mm-hmm. it happened a little more often. Sometimes it still happens. Like as a woman, you're sort of objectified in that space anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, by which I mean sexualized. Like I just think a dude's up there talking about like jerking off and sure. the joke is sort of that he's repulsive. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of generally what, even if it's like a really hot guy, the sort of way that we position men in stand-up is like that sex is gross and they're gross, but we're <laughs> all gross. Like it doesn't make him not relatable. It's what's relatable about him is that we're all disgusting or mm-hmm. whatever. And women, that sort of doesn't apply. It's like we we have to we're either like hyper disgusting, which like mm-hmm. for instance, I think that's what like an Amy Schumer has sort of built her career on is like, mm-hmm. but what if I could be disgusting? Or we're you know, we have to pick what we are. It, like Ali Wong is like a mother or, mm-hmm. you know, but like, but, but sassy about it. Or, and these, by the way, these are incredibly talented comics. I'm just saying that this is something we have to navigate. Sure, sure. Um, for the audience. Like for the, the audience. Because yeah. they just see what, a woman up there and, and we also sometimes have to be hot. Uh-huh. Um, so like, okay, that's going on. But then add, adding to that, the fact that you are an Asian woman, uh-huh. which is also in our culture, an objectified uh-huh. category of people. And then adding to that, that you have a queer identity, sometimes even a bi identity, which is uh-huh. also objectified. <laughs> like that, like a bi woman who is Asian, who's also doing stand up. Like to me, that that's like a triple objectified person. I know. I'm Do just you start naming my like, stand-up that? YouTube clips just like bisexual Asian woman. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you experience that? Mm, um, I think when I was starting out, um, I, I did feel a lot of insecurity about that. And I was starting out in New York where now there's, I think, more Asian woman comedian like starting out. I mean, there's obviously like famous successful ones, but when I was... Doing mics, I was But not that many famous successful ones, first of <laughs> all. Mark Cho, right. Ali Wong, who am I missing? Those are the <laughs> successful ones. Anyway, keep going. Uh, you're, you're correct, but I think, I guess I used to say like, oh, I'm the only Asian comedian uh, or Asian woman comedian. I, I didn't mean like, obviously they exist, but I virtually, when I was doing mics in New York, I, there was never another Asian woman in the room. Right. Sometimes an Asian man every once in a while. So it was something I thought about because I was very aware that I was different. Um, but I, I, I think um, this overly like sexualized thing, I tried to fight against it by, and now I don't do this, but I would like always like really dress down, like wear hoodies and big baggy t-shirts, put my hair in like a top knot, like just things like that. Cause I didn't want to be seen as like, I wanted to be taken seriously and it sucks, but it, that you have to like not care about looks to be taken seriously, at least when you're starting out. But now I don't, now I lean into like, I want to look good. I'm on stage, you know? So I'll lean into dressing nice and, you know, whatever. But I did feel that. And uh, it kind of, the moment I feel like that I noticed it the most, I did this show in New York called The Naked Show. This was like my first year of stand-up. So I wasn't, I don't think I would do it now. I just, not because I don't want to be naked on stage, but just, it just feels like I'm too public. But I was not, you know, a namer, and I'm not a name, but I wasn't at all anywhere in stand-up. So it was a cool thing to do. I was scared of it, so I thought it'd be fun. And the whole premise is everybody on stage performs naked. And the audience can get naked too. No photos are allowed. It's very safe. There's a security guard. But it's mostly dudes who do it. 
would you believe? Um, <laughs> yes. There, so I, I wanted to do it because I truly thought it'd be a cool thing to conquer, but there was an insecurity about like, well, I'm going to be on the stage with dudes and it's, I'm like a woman. I'm going to be sexualized in people's minds, no matter what I do. So I kind of, but I still wanted to do it. I wanted the experience. So what I did is I like went on in a shower cap and I just like tried to like desexualize myself and make it like, this is what I look like in the shower, you know? So now, you know, you know it's just like, I'm just at home showering in the bathroom, very neutral. It's not like gross, but it's not like sexual. And then I just did my jokes. And to me, that felt like really empowering because then I got to like make the experience. I got to have the same experience that the men did. Wow. But I had to like sort of cheat it a bit. Um, so that, I feel like speaks a little to what you're saying. Um, yeah. But now I I sometimes lean into trying to be hot because I think <laughs> I live in LA and, you know, what can I say? I'm hot. No, I, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's okay to just have both, I think. Well, you, I mean, you sh- everybody should get the... Everyone should be afforded the opportunity to present how they want. I also so, don't. That's a joke. I don't think I'm like super hot. That's not what I meant. I just everyone met, <laughs> on the <laughs> but you know what I mean. I I don't try to hide who. I do know look, what you I mean. I want to look. Yeah, good, that's you know? why. That's why I'm asking. I do know what you mean. I think it's. Um, yeah, I think it's. Pro- it, it would make sense to me that that would be something to navigate. I think mm-hmm. like most most women who do stand up have to figure out how they're going to present. Like it just is true, mm-hmm. and I don't. I don't think it's the same for men. I think it's like. However you're showing up is fine. And then you can make decisions from there. Like you can, you know, decide to get really buff and train for a Marvel movie if you want to. But like, it's just, you know, Uh um, it doesn't have the same bottom. It's like the top, you can be hot and do stand up, but it doesn't have the same like. Well, you're starting from a different place because the audience already has an idea of what they think you are. And I think like talking about marginalized groups, I think, um, now that the internet, I mean, is so big with, like, you can post clips and people comment on them. I think it totally shows us new light because New York, Chicago, LA, they're very, you know, urban cities that have very diverse populations. But whenever I've been in a YouTube video and I look at the comments, that's what I realize the rest of the world sees. Because almost always people will say like the Asian woman and they'll qualify it like the Asian woman. So I'm like, oh, you're just... You're like the only woman in the clip. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, but it's like, that's what they're seeing. And that's what I realize. Wow. They're not just seeing like, oh, she happens to be Asian. That's the first thing they're seeing. So that's been very enlightening, having the internet as a tool to like kind of gauge what the rest of the world Where did you grow as. up? I grew up in the Bay Area. So I thought that was true. Yeah, so I was like a majority there. Like I never really yeah. felt like a minority growing up. Um, I mean, there's sure like moments here and there of weirdness, but I think I was very lucky in that way. And you also have a twin sister. I do. Yeah. So (laughs) I just would imagine like, you're literally like, we're everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We're everywhere in my house, everywhere I look, there's me. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, That's, that's, that's really interesting. You know, I just to go back to like the, what you were talking about, about the naked show for a second. Mm -hmm. I wonder if this is even the same people. Like, like when I, the first year I started doing comedy at all professionally, like I'm talking about 2004, uh-huh. um, there was a show running in Boston that was a naked stand-up show and I went to it. Um, <sighs> I was not doing stand-up yet. I was just doing improv. And, um, first of all, I will say I experienced it as being weird. I was like, 
this oh, feels weird. weird. <laughs> I was just like, I think I, because I had gotten a bunch of positive write-ups and stuff. Uh-huh. And so, I, and it was like the cool thing to do at the time. And I was like, okay, awesome. I'll go to this thing. You know, like it's what everybody's talking about. And then I was sitting there like, oh, I don't, I feel this, I don't, this is not, I don't want help. You know, like I just did not feel like I wanted this to be happening. Uh-huh. Um, but I also will say like, I think there was a woman that performed in like a clown wig. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the men all were, and maybe she had like a clown nose. Gotcha. But the okay. men were all in their, they were wearing their, their actual human heads um, their human- <laughs> and their regular hair. And it was, you know, I think about something like that and it's, it's not like I think the premise, like, okay, this show shouldn't exist or whatever, but it's actually unsafe for a huh, woman yeah. to be naked. Like, it's not just that like, we're taught to shame our bodies, mm-hmm. but like, it's, it's, it's not necessarily, it's not safe. Like we're, we, we don't live in a culture yeah, where like true. a n- naked woman's body is protected. And yeah, that was what I felt watching that show oh, was that- like, I was just like, Oh, like there's so much um, unspoken privilege going on here. And it's not just that like she wears a clown wig and he doesn't because mm. she's trying to like, take the power of what's going on but it was just like he like this person is nude and then he'll put his clothes on and then he'll like walk out of this theater and statistically probably nothing Mm. will happen but that might not be true for her and it is it really like really kind of fucked me up Wow, I never thought about. It. I was also only paid seventy three percent of what the guys were paid. So, um, for the, no. <laughs> well, I, I didn't think about it that way, and and you know that kind of puts a different light on it because the clown wig and the shower cap. Like I thought I was like doing a clever thing, but now I'm realizing like I'm compensating for that privilege they had because the whole premise is supposed to be like no shame, just be yourself, and yet I still felt like I couldn't be myself. Oh man, that is so real. Well, also because, so that's what's so like funny about it is that it's it. like no shame because we all have body shame and that's true. We all do have body shame. Uh-huh. And so then there's also a whole separate category, which is, but safety, you know, like, and so that, that's yeah. what's kind of interesting about it is like, and the same thing is true. You know, I think about, I think about very often how many times like a man taking his shirt off mm-hmm. is the punchline in live stand up uh-huh. or then in like a movie like that, yeah. that punchline of like <laughs> a guy takes his shirt off and like his body's a little weird. Uh-huh. Like that punchline is that punchline will not die. <laughs> like, and, um, you know, we don't, that's, that punchline doesn't exist for us. Like sure. Yeah. Lena Dunham like took her shirt off in, girls and the punchline with that was like what if this was my body sort of you uh-huh. know and she and it was also combating shame and everything but, but she say people it was like a punchline on with her, her. cuz i think it was she i know what you mean i think with guys there's like you can point and laugh and they yes. want that right right <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah. Could you imagine if a guy took his shirt off and the women were like, "You can't do that. It's I. It's making me too horny." <laughs> <laughs> like that's sort of the implication when guys right. are mad at women for like like indecent exposure. It's like because you're making it hard for me right now. Yeah. Yep. And it's like so we have to change ourselves so that they can have an easier time. But it's there. It sounds like it's your problem if you can't control your dick. It's it does. You should leave the room. It's funny. It does sound like it's your problem if you can't control your dick. Yeah, man. I mean, I guess I'm just like at heart, like I would, 
at heart just someone who just wants to be like free love like naked all the time no shame but like not in a way where it's like we don't have like I think having sexual urges is totally fine like that's what I I think it's okay to see a hot body and be like I'm attracted to that respectfully so that's my ideal (laughs) world is like I'm not saying like we should all be naked and like asexual like if that's your thing fine but I'm I'm not saying like so far where it's like you can't think about sex I just think it has to be respectful I think you can think about sex in a respectful way (laughs) I don't know is that crazy (laughs) no I I'm now I feel radical like it's it's weird because in my mind I'm like this feels like pretty uh pretty uh reasonable but then I do sometimes think I've radicalized myself (laughs) oh my god that's so funny well yeah I mean I guess you're right because then Right. right, because then the other thing is if you're over-sexualized or if your body's unsafe or all these other things, then I think that the trap is to sort of come off as like a prude, mm-hmm. right? You know, or, like or the, whole, the, the, the like teacher. The, holy, uh, yeah. whole, the paradox. Oh, the Madonna whore. Yeah, yeah, Madonna whore. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's either the Madonna or like this one, which I feel like sometimes I, I am perceived as falling into the category of, which is the scold, which Mm -hmm. is like anytime any of this is even pointed out, I think that that is very uncomfortable for people. (laughs) And so I really love that you're like, uh, but I still would like to have sex and like (laughs) sex. Cause I think that that's, um, not something we necessarily talk about if that, that it's like not that I hey I don't have a problem with sex I just might have a problem with like what you're doing yeah regarding. it's that it's, idea when people say like like man hater right because it's like yeah. yes I hate some men I hate a lot of men yeah I hate some women too you know but I I won't talk about it as much because it you know men have it easier um, but that idea of like oh you're you're only saying this because you're a man hater so yeah. I, I that means I can dismiss your opinion because you're not in you know you're not in my world right so that's why yeah I guess I try to talk about sex too and I do like having sex with men so I say that to try to be like no 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 I'm not like I'm on your side like (laughs) if you're a nice respectful hot man like we want the same thing you know so like yeah we both like boobs if you stop gawking at them we'd see more boobs more people would be shirtless all the time if guys weren't so weird about it it's men who are ruining it for us. Like the women who like boobs would be totally cool with the boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah, I guess I, I tend to, I, I've gotten this way because I think I was so repressed growing up that now I'm like, all my opinions, let them out. <laughs> so, when you say you were repressed growing up, what, it, talk to me about that a little bit. Oh, uh, sure. I mean, I think um, over, I mean, I wasn't very religious. I went to like, uh, I was in and out of Christian schools, mostly for the like educational aspect. Because my dad is a born-again, but he didn't convert till I was a senior in high school. So I didn't have that sort of influence. But I was repressed in that. I think there's a lot of internalized shame just growing up in an Asian culture. Um, we don't talk about sex a lot. I wasn't really exposed to, like, I, I, I was in the GSA, but I wasn't really exposed to, like, a lot of, like, queer culture, if that makes sense. Like, so I was from a liberal area, Palo Alto. So I felt very liberal, like, beliefs-wise, but culturally, I wasn't exposed to a lot. So in terms of sex, I felt 
um, yeah, I felt a lot of shame and I was very sexual. Like I danced and I really like wanted to explore my body. I really liked to like shake my ass. That was like a big thing. <laughs> it's still a thing. <laughs> it sounds dumb, but like literally no, that's, that's awesome. what I mean. Like, it, like at camp, summer camp, we would have dances and I would just like get out there and shake my ass and people would be like, you should be a video girl. And for, I didn't know what that meant at the time. I was like, yes, that's my dream. I'd love to be a video girl. But that's what I, that's how I felt the best. I felt, Wait, what is a video girl? Just like the girls in the rap videos that shake their ass. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. Yes, got it. Which is like, was my dream for a while. Um, because I felt good to like feel sexual. It felt good to like, uh, like have agency and be like, I'm shaking my ass. People are looking at me. I'm having fun. They're having fun. But then, the, and then you know, you get older and you're in high school and then there's a lot of like, you start realizing that guys have boners and then they have, and there's all this other stuff that comes into play where you're like, oh, I have to be careful what I do to, as to not like arouse the men around me if I don't want to go through with a physical action. Oh know? my God. Oh, this is breaking my heart. <laughs> Wait, were you, were, so you were dancing, were you like, are you like a trained dancer? Like, were you taking classes and stuff or was this like a... Like, I want to know just how much. How, I want to know. I want to know how big a part of your life just this was. On the street, I, yeah, I was a trained dancer. I did competition. I did the whole studio thing um, for like ten years. I um, hip hop. I did. Like no, I did. Uh, I did do hip hop, but I started in the studio. So I did like jazz, ballet, lyrical, modern, a little bit of tap. Never very good at tap. That's a big thing in Chicago, actually. Um, I took. I took tap. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, also, yeah. you're, ta you're talking to another trained dancer because really? oh I did God, take I uh, ballet for eight years <gasps> as a child. Um, but uh, not I did. Um, I was um, uncomfortable the entire time. <laughs> but it sounds like you really liked it. So, like, when did you start dancing as a kid? I started uh, middle school, seventh grade, so like twelve. And you were taking and you were taking all those classes. Mm -hmm. And then what happened from there? I did it all the way until college. So I, in college, I was on. Uh, like three dance teams. I was on the company that um, was like contemporary and we would choreograph like numbers and put on a show twice a year. And then I joined two hip hop teams and they're both Asian hip hop teams. One was the Korean hip hop team. One was the Filipino hip hop team. Um, and then I kind of kept doing it basically till I got a job and I had to stop. <laughs> but I, yeah, dance has always been a part of my life. I think comedy very much replaced that hole in terms of like where I put my energy and yeah. time. But dance always gave me this like thing outside of like my family and my upbringing. It just gave me this way to perform and express myself. And it was like, honestly, like I found my sexuality through dance, like in terms of like just expressing myself and feeling like I had an outlet. I go-go dance for a bit in college and that was really fun. Like at a bar? Mm, yeah, at a, I did a bar, uh, this bar called 169 Bar in the East or Lower East Side. And then Wicked Willies, which is like a really not a great bar. It's like a pirate themed bar in <laughs> Greenwich Village. Sure. Um, <laughs> you had me at pirate themed bar. <laughs> so yeah, that, that stuff was always fun to me because I think I knew my boundaries in terms of like sex well, but I think pe there's a lot of shame. So people be like, you go-go dance, are you a stripper? Which was also fine. But for me, I wasn't, that wasn't something I was interested in. So I was like, no, I'm not. I just, I dance and I get paid for my sets. And yeah, that's that. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess the shame, I fought the shame by, I almost cheated it. Like dance to me was how I fought the shame, but I didn't realize I was doing that. I just thought I love to dance. Oh my God. That's actually incredibly <laughs> interesting. So, I mean, I come, my, I'm, my big sister, um, is also like still a modern dancer. So like, I, I, I was like really involved in the dance community. Um, oh, wow. and like, I lived with her, she had her own dance company 
And then I was dating a modern dancer and uh-huh. everybody I knew was dancers or yogis, <sighs> constant stretching. Um, <laughs> and then I like was in a circus for a while and everybody was acrobats. Those people also had dance backgrounds. So I, I feel like um, I never put together that that might have been what was going on. That because because I I do feel like um, it's almost a different language, you know. So even if you don't have the words to talk about how you're feeling, you get out there and you can, especially when you're doing improv and dance. Yeah, it's so freeing, and you're you're like getting it all out. That's what I used to say. I know that's also what people say about jerking off, but I would say like you're getting it all out because there's these like things inside that you don't even know how to name, and you're like letting it all out when you're dancing. Well, it's also an interesting space for some of the stuff that we're talking about because mm-hmm. I do think that when you're watching dance, you're looking at beautiful bodies. You know, usually mm-hmm. these are people who like are in are um, in some sort of like good shape or toned or have like some sort of muscles going. Like it's it, even if it's a atypical uh-huh. body for dance, it's still like a be- you're watching somebody who knows how to move. It's yeah. so it's beautiful. So the objectification that we're talking about, some of that is going on, but also. Um, Dance is like male ballerinas aside who still do sort of dominate things, like literally uh-huh. like are the stars or whatever. Dance is um, women are in positions of power in dance. Yeah. And so like I'm also thinking about um, and I don't know what this is totally like in hip hop, but I'm also thinking about like the stuff that we're talking about in comedy. It's, you know, like it's um, it might be some objectification and we're not the people that are in positions of power. We're like in dance actually so many of the bodies that are on stage are are women's bodies and even if they're even if the audience is looking at that person and finding them attractive it's not that the same thing just by the sheer like number of women who do this who do this so yeah. i don't know it's like a very like i'm like it's not i used to definitely go to dance performances and be like, holy shit, that is an incredibly fucking beautiful person <sighs> or woman. But it didn't feel like... It was almost like we we're drawn to these spaces where the power dynamic shifted without realizing it. Yeah. Like, it felt better because it was more feminine. Yeah. I didn't even think about this until you just said this, but I, I, the hip, hip-hop was my main thing in college. Um, and the hip-hop teams, the way these companies work, you do these like long sets, they're like six to eight minutes and there's a couple songs in them and different numbers which have different styles like there's like you know the b-boy one there's like the there's usually like a girl's piece they call it but usually the gay guys are in it but sometimes you're in heels and it's very feminine and very powerful and sexy and then there's like the hard hip-hop one and what I loved about hip-hop was within like six minutes I got to be all these identities I didn't even realize that till just now because I think I I don't know if I I may have still been straight when I was quote unquote straight when I was in this dance team but I love being able to go from like hot girl sexy heels like you know really fierce to then coming out in the next piece and being like really hard hip-hop just like down and dirty and that kind of was a way to express my identity (laughs) would you even would you be wearing like the same clothes or is there like a sometimes there's costume changes most of the time we just be in the same thing so that was also fun because like usually sometimes you change into heels for the girls piece um and then but most of it, and they're very straightforward. The hip hop, we didn't have a lot of money. So it's like, you know, a t-shirt and like. But I mean, that's interesting pants. too. <laughs> like just presenting differently, even wearing the same clothes is mm-hmm. is also really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, shit. I don't know. I mean, we definitely cracked something. I'm not sure what it is, but um, 
I think, all right. Okay, so I think what we've discovered in this 57 minutes is <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah, I I don't know how to Wait, break I have this a, to you, okay. but I think you're bisexual. I've, <laughs> Whoa, or I have to go. <laughs> yeah. um, wait, okay, I just thought of something. Can I add one thing real yeah. quick? Because we're talking about art and the way you look at dance, it's objectified, but also not, right? We all right. appreciate it as a, we can go to a theater and watch it and not right. be like, oh, I'm hard. Yes. So, there's like less heckling. Mm-hmm. Very few people are, <laughs> put it on me. Get out. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But my mom, I just remember my mom growing up would always tell me that's art when we saw a naked picture of like a, like a painting, like when it was art. But right. that was my first introduction to naked bodies. So I think that's why I have this weird thing where I'm like, just be naked as long as it's not weird. But I, one time in class, there was like an, we uh, had newspapers to like do art projects. And there was like a call girl ad that was like this kind of seductive girl in a bikini. And all the kids were laughing at it. This was in second grade. And I go, that's art. That's art. <laughs> and everybody laughed at me. And then I didn't understand it. And now I, I realize that like, it wasn't art, but in my mind, I was equating nudity to art wow. because when I laughed at naked bodies, my mom explained it that way, but she didn't explain the other half of why I wanted to laugh. Sure. <laughs> so sure. I think I just grew up thinking <laughs> like naked bodies are very beautiful because of that. And right. even when it's sexualized, I'm like, well, it's fine. It's, you know, it's art. <laughs> but also, I mean, that make that makes so, so much sense to me. Um, and knowing now, like your your dance background, it's also like your your body is like the is your tool for that thing. So mm-hmm. that's also a totally that is a very specific way of interacting with human bodies. Also, <laughs> like uh-huh. for for stand up, your tools like just your voice. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, people are looking at how you're presented, but like the it's just it's extremely different. You're not like training the same way, or or um, you're saying I chose the wrong. Profession. No, No, I'm saying that every dancer I know has a very um, different relationship with their body that is more connected in some Uh ways and involves like a little bit less. um, um, That's just more in their body. Mm. Like shame fractures us from our bodies so Mm -hmm. much in American culture. And I just... I'm not saying dancers have less shame, but dancers might be more in their body because they had to use it sure. as their tool. Or yeah, whatever. Pa- painter can't be afraid of the paintbrush. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, before I send you back into your day, okay, I <laughs> would like to ask you to shout out a, a queero, which is okay. a person, place, or thing made you feel like you could be who you are today. Um, I I want to shout out Girl in Red, um, which uh, if someone already done this, no, I I went to watch her. She, if you guys don't know who she is, she's this um, very very young, which I'm very mad at. Um, amazing musician from Norway. She makes music in her bedroom. She's gonna blow up, but she performed in LA last year. I went to watch her, and it was uh, very cool because even though I was the oldest person there, <laughs> it's cool to watch. She's like. Queer teenagers having this idol, wow. which I didn't have growing up, um, and just like knowing all her songs because of the internet, and just like it felt like watching a boy band, and she just like stage dived into the audience, like oh that's how God. huge yeah. she was to them. And I found her because I was looking for music for our short, and I just like fell in love with her music, and she's very real, and she just makes music, and it's so her, and it's queer, but it's also just like love songs and angsty. So I, I think she's like sort of the next generation. And I love that there's people out there inspiring, you know, baby queers to be who they are. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Teresa, for being here. And um, somehow in the show notes, Jordan, <laughs> let's just link to this film. We have, I don't think we've ever done that because we're never like talking about something that's just available on YouTube. So what a fucking like boon for our listeners this week. It's oh. so awesome. They can just go right on over and watch it up. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you.